Hey, welcome to the Energy News Beat podcast. This is part two of the Dr. Patrick Moore interview. He's the founder of uh, one of the co-founders of Greenpeace. It is a phenomenal interview. He is a really great guy, and I learned an awful lot about that era and what he's got going on and, and uh, what we can see. So buckle up, hang on, and don't forget to subscribe and like. Thank you very much. But now when you sit back and take a look at the year 15, they started going this way. And I just looked at the Greenpeace uh, website and they're, they've got voter fraud on there now. It seems like they've branched out a little bit. And, and when you guys split and in the renewable side of things, let's try to go go steer a little bit around why Greenpeace took a little bit of a right or a left turn or something. What caused you to step back in your 15th year? Well, to sum, to sum it up quickly, we were hijacked by the political left at that time. When the peace movement became, I don't know, basically entirely leftist and siding with communist regimes and that sort of thing or right. that kind of, of politic. And th this, there wasn't that much, that many scientists in Greenpeace to begin with. Lots of professionals right. in various uh, categories but it ended up with me being one of six international directors, the only one with any formal science education. There was people with, you know, all, all kinds of political orientations and right. most left wing political orientations. And it was two things that caused me to have to leave. I was the I, I it ended up I was the only director of Greenpeace International, which of right. there were six of us from six different of the big countries involved. And you're the only one with formal education. The only one with a formal science education. Many of right. the others were political activists, socially activists. Now you could actually make a career out of environmental work. So yeah. if, if you were good at something, it didn't have to be ecology. Uh, yeah. It could be, you know, financial services. Uh, yeah. So we we had a much broader base of, of people than we did at the beginning. and. Right. But at a philosophical level, because we got taken over to a certain extent by the left wing side of politics, right? people started saying that humans were the enemies of the earth, the enemies of nature. Right. And the earth would be better off if there weren't so many of us. For some reason, the people who thought that didn't volunteer to go first. I always wondered what, what the deal was there. I think Schwab um, should be number one. Well, it's as if there are a special class of people who are wise and know that they are the, uh, these other people are the enemies of the earth, not them. Right. And so it was like that. And having started with a humanitarian orientation of not wanting to see civilization destroyed by nuclear war, I just couldn't buy that attitude towards people. Wow. Uh, people are generally good. Yes, there are people who burn down police stations and who go to war and kill people when they shouldn't right. be doing that. But most people live a good life and right. an honest life. And so it's not fair to make it out as if we are the only bad species on the planet, like right. worse than cockroaches or whatever. Or eat cockroaches. Good yeah. Grief. And the, and then there's that. It's as if they wish to punish us into eternal hell. And <laughs> Then, uh, so that was that was the high level thing, right? But at the very sharp end of the stick was this group of board of directors. All five of them, including our chairman David McTaggart, who was a Canadian too, decided we should have a campaign to ban chlorine worldwide. 
and that that would be a good fundraising tool. Right. Because chlorine is deadly poisonous. The Germans used it as a weapon in World War One. Right. Elemental chlorine gas. But table salt is an essential nutrient, and that is called sodium chloride. Right. And uh, adding chlorine to drinking water was the biggest advance in the history of public health to prevent cholera and other communicable right. diseases. And 85% of our pharmaceuticals are made with chlorine chemistry, and 25% of them have chlorine in them for curing <laughs> our various ailments and diseases and conditions. So I said, we have to be somewhat more subtle about this, you guys. <laughs> and they, they decided, no, we're going to name chlorine the devil's element, as if that doesn't bring a satanic uh, element right, right. into what should be a scientific discussion. Right. And, and we're and we're going to call polyvinyl chloride, otherwise known as PVC or simply vinyl. Right. What our credit cards are made out of and almost half the other things we have in life are made out of. Right. That's going to be the poison plastic. And th there's nothing that could be less poisonous than PVC. There's right. a reason why we wrap and package our food in plastic. Right. To keep it from being contaminated, not to poison it. And PVC pipes, when you were doing your uh, pipe building and when you wrote the book, you were like PVC. It's you put your how many people have PVC with water running through it? It's the best material for delivering water and many other liquids to right. where they want to go. And it, it is also the most versatile plastic because you can make it brittle or soft. And like you need oil. Kitty <laughs> pools, right? Well, actually, PVC is made not with oil, but with oh. natural gas. Oh, okay. It's made with natural gas and, and salt, which is sodium chloride. Oh, that okay. Salt, salt from the sea. So salt from the sea and natural gas are combined in a process in a big factory. Most of these are in Louisiana because that's where all the big salt deposits are. Yeah. And that's also where uh, salt water is there too uh, for, this, for the chlorine, sodium chloride. So that's how a polyvinyl chloride is made. And it's a fantastic material. Right. And you see, this gets into the whole plastics discussion, which yep. is unbelievable. Unbe it is unbelievable that the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, twice the size of Texas, is actually completely and utterly fake. There is no such thing. You said, excuse me, you said fake. Fake. Wow. Tell me about it. It does not exist. That's why it's fake. And they say it's twice the size of Texas and growing 16 times faster than they ever imagined. When in fact, if you go on the internet and you look for photographs of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, right, you will find almost all of the ones that say that that's what they are, are just Photoshop. They've just painted a blob on, no. the ocean, on a map of the earth. Yes. Is that yes. is that one of your topics in oh, fake invisible catastrophes and threats of doom? Yes, it certainly is. It's and it's okay. documented thoroughly. There is a well-operated German satellite that's going around the earth all year taking photographs of the earth. And right. like if you take a, a picture of the whole Pacific Ocean at a right. certain time of day, there's going to be clouds somewhere always. Right. 50% of the earth is usually under clouds in a, a normal time. Right. So but if you take enough photographs each day for a whole year, right, you can make a composite that has no clouds in it because everywhere is not cloudy sometimes. Right. Right. So they have that. I have that in my book, that photograph from space 
Yep. And you can see the Hawaiian Islands clearly, even the smaller ones, but you cannot see no garbage patch twice the size of Texas. And even the Big Isle, well, you could probably fit about a thousand of them into the state of Texas, never mind twice the state of Texas. So, but the one, the one photograph that you will find there, okay, underneath it, part of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, is a big sea of garbage. It goes, it's big. You can obviously see it's very extensive. There's right. a diver coming up, holding up some plastic thing. Right. And, but I looked in the background, there were mountains in the background. Low, not that high, but you could see a, a right. range of mountains in the background. There is no mountains in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. No. Not a one. Right. right. So I did my research and I realized that it was actually, and someone had, all, someone else had figured this out, but it hadn't been publicized that it is the Japanese tsunami debris where 18,000 people died when 20 towns were wiped off the map into the ocean. Yeah. Right. And it's all the debris from that. The same thing happened in the tsunami at uh, Indonesia. Right. There was a huge patch of garbage went out to sea from that because the, t- the, the thing comes in and right. then it goes out. Right. And when it goes out, it takes everything with it. So, so, green, so there's green no piece. other evidence that there is a Pacific garbage patch beside that. So when I give presentations, people come up to me and say, oh, no, 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 you're wrong about that. The reason you can't see it from outer space is because it's only the clear plastic, right? As if the clear plastic conglomerates together and right. doesn't allow any colored plastic to come it, in. Yeah, talk about pla- racism plastic. But, I mean, but, but the real lie to that one is that clear plastic is actually more dense than water and sinks to the bottom because some <laughs> plastic is heavier than water and the clear stuff is 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 one of them. So that then they resort to it's just below the surface, right? As if every piece of plastic has a buoyancy compensation device on it because right. putting still- something that stays just below the surface is a very fine line. It either sinks I- floats usually. I'm, in fact, I've already added this book, the hardcover, to my uh, Amazon thing. I'm having it shipped out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and and in addition to that, someone said, finally, it's microplastic. In other words, it's invisible. Microplastic. Yeah, that's the key word these days is microplastic. It's in our blood. It's it's it it's it's everywhere. It's in everything. It's in the fish. It's in the it's in the plants. It's it. The, we're full of microplastic. And oh my goodness. that's why the book is called Fake Invisible Catastrophes and Threats of Doom, because the, the, the fake invisible catastrophes are threats of doom. I but love the little guy holding the sign. You got to love that. You will perish in flames. <laughs> you know where that's from? No. Ghostbusters. Oh, that's right. It is. Yeah. That's right. It, it's it's when uh, the little guy, Murano, Murano. Yeah. Uh, he runs up to the horse and buggy in Central Park, and by yeah. this time his eyes are glowing from having looked into the fridge and seen the gozer. Yes, right? or or whatever it was called, the evil yeah. thing coming out of the sky. He starts talking to the horse, and he starts talking to the horse, and he says, "Are you the gatekeeper to the horse?" Right, and the horse, of course, says nothing. So he then jumps up and goes running off, and right. as he runs off, tripping over all kinds of things that are on the street for some reason. He's right. tripping his way through, and he looks up at the driver, and he says, you will perish in flames, and runs off. So I, nice. I, I've watched that movie eight times. If, 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 if All right, so we're going uh, to sidetrack here. What is one of the best lines in that movie at the beginning of it when I love it? No, very few people catch it. Listen, can you smell that? 
I mean, that was one of the Listen, lines. Can in, you smell that? Yeah. I, I don't remember that. <laughs> it's, it's in the first part of the movie, and Dan Aykroyd is standing there and goes, Listen, can you smell that? <laughs> yeah, well, anyways, my book has a very serious uh thing in it, the universal law of scare stories. And like in physics, there's this idea that there will one day be a universal law of all the physics things, gravity, light, right, nuclear, everything will all be in one. It, just like, e, you know, it's sort of like C, e, e equals MC squared on steroids, right? Right. It would bring everything. I don't think that's going to happen because things are different. But never mind that. I have developed the universal theory of scare stories, which is that they are all about things that are either invisible, CO2, right. radiation, whatever the bad thing is in GMOs, which for some reason doesn't have a name. And right. you'd think there would be a name for something that if we knew it was, Right. Right. We Unless they're, right. We don't leave things without names. If right. That they're there and they're different from the other things. Right. So there is no name for the. Th so they have made up a multi-billion dollar campaign to destroy African agriculture from advancing and all kinds and to cause two million children to die every year from vitamin A deficiency. Another whole campaign that I led in the mid 2000s. Wow. In Asia and, and Europe. But that's another story. So that's either so they're either invisible things that nobody can observe. Right. See. So if you can you can make up any story you want about something that nobody can see. And right. the other thing is remote. Oh, that's why polar bears and coral reefs are the icons for climate change, because very few people can go to the North Pole and count the polar bears. And very few people go snorkeling and scuba diving in this world. I tell people, if you haven't, you've only seen half the world because right. my wife Eileen and I are avid snorkelers and divers. And we're just going for our third trip two weeks on a boat in Indonesia, in the oh, South South, cool. which, is, uh, which is the epicenter of coral biodiversity. It's also the warmest ocean in the world, contrary to the liars. If the ocean warmed, the corals would spread further. Not right. right. So they're they're blaming coral death on ocean warming, right? Whereas in fact, the Caribbean, we know for for a fact, which is the second warmest ocean in the world. Right. See, the Indonesian Ocean is saved from fresh cold water from the north by South Asia and from the south by Australia. So it's right. in a place on the equator where cold water never comes there. Wow. Right? The Caribbean is similar in that South America and North America kind of protect it, protect it there. Right. And so like in the Gulf of Mexico, too. And so we know for a fact that during the past 50 million years, as the climate has steadily cooled, we are at the tail end of a 50 million year cooling period now. Right. And no, hardly anybody even would imagine that and don't believe it when you tell it to them, even though it's true. Right. During that 50 million year cooling period, the Caribbean has lost 50% of its coral species because it's too cold for them. Out of 50 million years? Over 50 million. During yeah. 50 million years, they have lost half their coral species and only have the ones left that are capable of dealing with the water temperature that it's there now. I consider that a personal problem after 50 million years. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> yeah, well, things happen slowly sometimes. Yeah. That slow is okay. <laughs> and, and yes, ex exactly. Actually, things very seldom happen rapidly unless an asteroid strikes the Earth. Right. And those, it, we know for sure that the what we call the dinosaur extinction, but was in fact much more than the dinosaurs that went extinct. Right. 
a huge percentage of living species went extinct then. And like, for example, the marine dinosaurs, the plesiosaurs and the ichthyosaurs, they were the top predators in the sea and they, they were reptiles. Right. And after they were exterminated by the asteroid impact, right. it was, it's because the asteroid goes right through the crust of the earth. And then I don't know if you know when you're like when you're in a hot tub or a pool, right? Raindrops are hitting the water. It hits the water, and then this little blip comes up. Right. Well, that little blip went all the way into the stratosphere, and it was made out of the Earth's interior dust, rock. Uh, wow. So that dust is up there where there's no water, no rain to wash it out. Okay. It's very light. It's very fine material. So it stays there for three or four years, blocking out the sun, and the plants all die. That's a, right. that's a, a, a recipe for extinction on a vast scale. Right. And interestingly, the birds survived. Many birds survived, and they are actually dinosaurs. Most right. people don't realize that birds are dinosaurs, but that's they were reptiles. And they survived because they could fly and eat the dead things far, far away. Oh, yeah. Walking animals, all the dino, all what we think of as dinosaurs, had a very small range. And right. Probably the, the predatorial ones of them would probably start eating each other. You know? Right. In those circumstances, it was probably not a very nice time to be there. But uh, anyways, uh, fake invisible catastrophes and threats and doom is all about showing examples. Uh, right at the beginning, uh, it, just to show people sort of what I'm getting at, okay. I start with the baobab trees of Africa. And the headline is, Africa's oldest baobab trees are dying and the cause may be climate change. Right. So the first thing I do is point out to people, never believe anything that says may, might or could. Right. Says may or may not, might or might not, could or could not. Because right. Those are totally speculative words. Right. You don't have to have any basis in fact or truth or anything in order to say them. Yeah. Your taxes may go up. Precisely. <laughs> or may not go up or may just stay where they are. So I showed that as, a, as an example. And then, like, how many people go and count the baobab trees in Central Africa every year? Well, one guy in Hungary counted some baobab trees and right. said, like, there must be a million baobab trees. They're all over Southern Africa and they're very common. And they're also in Madagascar and some in India. Right. And he said that. 13 of the oldest baobab trees had died in the past eight years, right? And that was his evidence that the oldest baobab trees were dying. Well, what does he expect? The youngest ones to be dying? It's normal if the oldest ones die. All, right. all trees die at some point. So he actually made up this thing about the baobab trees are dying because of climate change. And it's the oldest ones that are dying. And it's so sad. Wow. Blah, blah, blah. And I just, it just, I just, sort of dissected this article to show here's a, a small example of what they're doing to you about a number of much larger issues. And one wow. of them is the world's coral reefs, and the other one is the polar bears. Right. Polar bears, like I put up, I, I just had a, a conference where I was the keynote speaker to 500 Californian farmers, nut farmers, right. almonds, cat, uh and and uh, this is where you came in last night from. Yeah. And and, and they're, they're really, really knowledgeable people about the earth right. farming and weather and and everything. And uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> I went to this. Conference. I tried you went to, to the conference. It was a bunch of nuts. They were a bunch of nuts, <laughs> fun nuts people. Um, oh, it was about the polar bears. Yes. Polar bears. 
how many people, I said, how many people in this audience of 500 know about the international treaty that was signed in 1973 by all polar nations ending the unrestricted hunting of polar bears? One person out of 500 put their hand up. Ending the... Unrestricted hunting of polar bears. By, by 1973, wildlife biologists came to the governments of the polar countries and said, right. there's too many rich people with, with the money to go up there and hire a guide, fly up there in a private plane, hire an Inuit guide and go out and get some rugs for themselves. Right. Sometimes they get six or eight. So let we got to stop that unless you want this population to continue shrinking from the low level it has gone by 1973. Between six and 10,000 was the estimate then. Wow. The estimate today is between 30 and 50,000. And that is killed every year? No, alive. Oh, okay. Right. So it, so it went from 6,000 to 10,000 live bears being hunted to extinction if they didn't stop it. Right. So that treaty that ended that, and many of the nations like Norway just banned polar bear hunting altogether. Right. Canada, with its fairly large Inuit population still living in the Arctic, decided right. to have it 2% of the total population, but an Inuit guide had to be hired by the non-Inuit person that was coming up to kill a bear. Right. And 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 two percent uh is is very small. And that's why even with the two percent being taken, Canada has the most polar bears of any country. And it's they have grown to between thirty and sixty thousand live polar bears today. Nice. They're, they're becoming a nuisance. They're raiding people's houses and they've even killed people. And up until recently it was illegal to defend yourself from a polar bear. They were made into such a sacred icon because they were going extinct, apparently. Right. But they weren't going extinct. Their population was growing beautifully. And the whole idea that some of the ice melts on the Arctic Ocean in the summer when you get 24-hour, uh, seven-day, right. six months of sun, 24 hours a day, right? So a big part of the of the outer part of the Arctic Ocean, the, the North Pole and a huge area around it remain frozen. Right. But it's an area that becomes unfrozen. And if that didn't happen, the sun couldn't make the plankton grow in the Arctic. And the, right. the plankton in the sea are the basis for the krill and then the fish and then the seals. And then, and then the, the whales. And the whales. Yes. So the whales and the polar bears both depend on that plankton making a rich sea. And then but in, they never show you the ice cover in the winter. After six months of no sun. Right. There isn't a square inch of the Antarctic of the Arctic Ocean that isn't covered in ice. Not a square inch. Last year, right now, wow. when you go coming out of this winter now, uh, it's it's in September when the ice is at its lowest, and in March when the ice is at its highest in six wow. intervals. But they never they always show you the summer least ice, never show you the winter maximum ice, which is still the complete Arctic Ocean, and then some Hudson right. below the Arctic Circle, Bering Sea below the Arctic Circle, and Greenland and Newfoundland below the Arctic Circle is covered in ice. You know, Patrick, I've got about 17 things more to talk to you about. And I would like to invite you back because we're going to cut this one into two episodes for folks. And I want to have more fake invisible catastrophes and threats of doom. And I also want to get your take. I love that title. Um, I, I also want to get your take on how we can help 
take it to the next step because education is the only way we're going to get together and go down the road. And, you know, our uh, folks over there at the CO2 Coalition and everything else, Gregory Wrightstone, love them and would love to help get the word out on those kind of things. So thank you so much for your time. For the last uh, two minutes here, what do you got? What's coming around the corner next for you until I can get you on the show again? Well, I, I'm getting quite a lot of uh, podcasts and and interviews like yours right now. This has been a really good one for me. You've got a good sense of humor and you move it along really nicely, Stu. So I've, I'm well, enjoying thank you. this with you. Let's make it an institution. Uh, I'll come on with you anytime when I'm available. And I'm fairly Fantastic. available these days because I, you know, I, I, I have stopped being a consultant on a regular basis. I oh. helped a lot of people. Uh, through some such like the PVC people, for example, I worked with right. them. And I mean, they were just vilified as if they were making something poison that was going to kill the human race. Right. When they're making one of the very best products in the world, which is so non-toxic. Right. And and so versatile. Our credit cards are made with it. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, I just I I would love to hug you, but we don't want to have too much man love going on on this uh, on this podcast. You can count on me to come back with you whenever you'd like when I'm available. Let's let's just go back and forth and schedule anytime you want. If you want to read fake invisible catastrophes first, that's great. You bet. We'll we will get to you within a couple of days, I'm sure. Sounds great. So with that, we'll appreciate everybody and we will see you next time.